Your Space Coast vacation is preparing for liftoff. Start counting down now. 10, 9, 8, 7, it's time for a beach vacay that feels like heaven. 6, 5, 4, come explore Melbourne and the beaches. 3, 2, 1, it's time for some rocket-filled fun. Count down to your best beach vacation ever on Florida's Space Coast. Launch your planning now at visitspacecoast.com. My name is Mike Lewis. Welcome to the When to Jump podcast. Today on the show, Casey Gibson describing a jump within the music industry. Casey uh, is a lifelong musician. He's a talented individual in a number of different ways. And he's, as a day job, a creator of music for car commercials. And this jump story isn't about how he left that world altogether. It's, in fact, how he listened to a dream, uh, but he did so while holding down his day job. I should note that since we uh, recorded this conversation, Casey's music that he took a jump to create as a solo artist has been nominated for a Grammy, which is pretty remarkable. Um, and as far as I know, that is where things stand right now. But uh, more important than the music is the story, and I think you will very much enjoy it. Uh, so I'm going to take you there right now, my conversation with uh, an incredibly talented musician out of Los Angeles, Casey Gibson. For those who don't know, do you want to give just a really quick background of how you got into music and how you even formed a band? I mean, that's something that a lot of us think about doing. We haven't actually had many musicians on the pod, and I think it's cool to to kind of go down that creative route that a lot of people might you know, uh, think about at a high level when they listen to, you know, their favorite tracks on their way to work or, or listen to their new podcasts or, sorry, playlist on their Spotify uh, app. But what was that like kind of actually forming a band with, with childhood buddies down at, back in Chicago? Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, I mean, even before that, I, I grew up playing classical piano. I started when I was five and I knew these guys from going to school with them, but also playing hockey with them. We were we were always on the same hockey teams. And I think it was probably freshman year of high school that we, you know, were all kind of listening to the same music. And Pete was playing snare drum in the marching band. And Johnny was kind of just picking up the guitar. And it was really kind of just born out of boredom on the weekends, something to do. And it kind of quickly became like all we really wanted to do and then you know played our first shows and they were completely brutal like embarrassing <laughs> events but you know you you kind of just keep going uh my family moved to Madison Wisconsin after my sophomore year of high school and we kept the band together and kept playing shows and and making records and so when we ended up at different colleges when i ended up at a different college then those guys we knew we had already kind of done the long distance thing. So I was, you know, four hours down the road from them, but we would spend a lot of weekends obviously playing at Dartmouth where you went to school, playing at Hamilton where I went to school. And then, you know, all of those kind of Northeast Nescac and, and Ivies that are up there. And by the time we were about to graduate, it seemed like something that we, I mean, I guess, you know, if you want to talk about jumps, that, that would kind of be the first jump is I, I studied economics at Hamilton, but but also music. And rather than applying for jobs, as college was kind of winding down, we all decided that we were going to make a go at being full-time musicians. So that was that was kind of the first jump. We all moved into a house together and booked ourselves our, our first tour and kept writing and recording and it was 
it was a great decision. I mean, you know, we ended up touring all around the country and then ended up getting an agent and, and a manager. And we um, met some people from the programming uh, department at the at the State Department and have a relationship with those guys. And, and now we've kind of gone on tours all around the world. So, yeah, pretty special thing. And, and uh, what's cool is like we all have our own things going on now, but we still get together, you know, a few times a year to to play some live shows and record some music. And, you know, it's just a great excuse to see see my really close childhood friends. What do people not really realize or, or, or maybe not, not appreciate, but not understand about, about taking music seriously? What are some of the things that, that maybe go unsaid in the industry or as, a, as an artist yourself that, that are worth mentioning to folks like me and, and probably a lot of our listeners who have no idea what it's like to, to pursue music? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that on a, on a very basic level, why, uh, I've always gotten along with, with these three guys in the band is because we're all maybe creatively on the same page, but also like on the same page when it comes to living a structured life and, and kind of taking everything, I don't want to say too seriously, but you know, seriously enough that you're going to put in the effort, uh, that you need to see results. So when it came time to graduate from college and, and, uh, we decided we were going to give this a go. It wasn't like, let's hole up in the studio and, and, uh, see how much weed we can smoke and, you know, see what happens. It was very much like, you know, develop a schedule. We were having meetings, you know, twice a day in terms of like, how much progress have we made reaching out to, you know, bloggers or music critics or, or, uh, radio stations, you know, have you, practiced your parts for the live show like we've got you know this this structured time uh when we're gonna actually rehearse i definitely think the kind of the less glorious side of being a musician is the most important one which is developing a structure and uh taking seriously all aspects of it like the promotional side and whatever shaking hands and and doing what it takes beating down every door that uh that you can is is pretty crucial yeah, I think that that's not something one would rush to think about is like a schedule, um, figuring out social media marketing, going out to bloggers and critics. Like that's that's a lot of the, well, you know, those unsexy steps we talk about all the time and taking a jump, right? No doubt. And I'm sure you know, I mean, you know, it's like obviously in an ideal world, you create something and the world falls in love with it and you can kind of just sit back and and uh, watch your star rise but that's very rarely the case I mean you know even if you've got something special or what you think is special and what people are are telling you is special it still requires you know a lot of grunt work and a lot of um, a lot of stick to so <laughs> definitely the unglamorous side but uh, but a very real one you graduate college, you, you begin touring you, you you invest in that you have kind of a real schedule and a formalized, vision for how you will how you'll go forward walk us through what happens next well one of the members of the band was was still in school so the three of us who weren't were kind of doing everything we could during the school year to kind of keep a fresh presence out there whether it was like you know planning the next tour or writing more music or whatever and then at the moment that school let out we would we would kind of get back on the road or get back in the studio but in those breaks I kind of started to live like one foot in one foot out of LA 
I knew that, you know, if I wanted to pursue a life in music, I was probably going to have to make the move to L.A. or New York. And L.A. was the cheaper option and it had better weather. So I was like, okay, this is I'm going to I'm going to give this a shot. So we were kind of we would get these monthly furnished apartments, the three of us, you know, living in like one a studio kind of bedroom apartment and uh stay there for two or three months. And then uh, when it was time to get back on the road or, or go into the studio, we would just pack up and move out. Um, and I lived like that for, you know, maybe a year and a half. But in that time, I kind of realized that L.A. Uh, was where I wanted to be. And, uh, you know, the longer that I was here, uh, the more connections I made. And it ended up actually being a meeting with an alum from my from my college that kind of sealed the deal for me, I was going through, you know, our alumni network and just reaching out to everybody who's in the entertainment industry. And I didn't really care if it was music or film or editorial, whatever it was, I would reach out and say, hey, look, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Like, I would love to bend your ear a little bit and and try to figure out how I'm going to make this a uh, reality, me living in L.A., and it was a meeting that I had with a guy who graduated 15 years before I did. I remember it was like a Saturday in January and I went in, he was like, I'm going to be, he was an, uh, an editor for commercials and he's like, I'm going to be in my studio if you want to drop by. And I did. And he was editing a Super Bowl spot for a car company. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Like, I can't believe he's working on this, you know, Super Bowl ad, you know, the kind of mythologized Super Bowl ads are, are, uh, you know, the most important in the industry, obviously. And, you know, we had a great meeting and he was like, look, you seem, you know, like a hungry kid and I can give you a job here as a runner, but it sounds like to me, what you want to, what you want to do is be in music. So let me introduce you to the company who did the music for this spot. So I did, and I went over, uh, and had a meeting and then like the next week I started interning at this company and over the course of seven years have kind of like slowly, you know, after an intern, I was a freelance composer and I was still writing. Like when the band was touring, I would go out to the van at seven in the morning, you know, and, and be writing for commercials in the parking lot or like recording guitar in the bathroom at the hotel, like late <laughs> at night, whatever with my little mobile setup. And, you know, all of that kind of led to a full-time position here. And now I've, I've taken on kind of a creative director role here. You know, all of that is to say that I, I saw an opportunity with this commercial scoring thing, and it wasn't something I was completely comfortable doing. In fact, I had never really written a picture before. I mean, I had scored a couple of friends' films, but I knew that I liked writing music, and I knew that I loved entertainment, and it seemed like something that I could maybe at least pretend like I knew what I was doing for long enough until I kind of figured it out. So that's <laughs> that's... Uh, that was it. So why don't we spend some time talking about this this other jump that you're making? Because I think it's an important one, and it's a unique one in that it's still within music. It's not one where you're quitting your day job. You made it clear it's it's one that, you know aligns with it. You, you, it sounds like you love what you're doing. You're, you're very good at what you're doing. Can you tell us a bit about about what has happened in the last few months? Because it sounds like it's some pretty exciting developments and, and a really cool way of thinking of a jump for those who don't want to leave what they're doing and really like the industry, but still want to make 
a real move and, and you were able to do that. Sure. Yeah. I, it's pretty obvious when I talk about it, but I, I, I at the end of the day, I, I genuinely love my job and it's not something I'm looking to move out of. But I think everybody kind of at some point feels like they maybe need to, I don't know, make a personal statement or, you know, take on maybe a little bit more than than they've been doing just between the hours of nine and five. So I decided that, uh, you know, I've been making music for clients, you know, for the past seven years. And, and obviously the band has still been somewhat active during that time. But even that, you know, there's, it's a democratic process. And, and uh, when you're writing for clients, it's definitely less democratic and, and more authoritarian. But at the end of the day, there's always kind of creative feedback or compromise that you're that you're making and a piece of music that was composed for a spot might be by the time, you know, it's gone all the way up the chain and, and gotten all of the levels of approval that it, that it needs. The, the piece of music might be and, and often is unrecognizable from, from the original composition. And that's just a part of the process. And, and honestly, it has a lot of advantages and, and a lot of times it's, it's for the best, but I decided this year that I wanted to, to create a project where uh, the buck stopped with me, kind of, you know, where I was the, I was the creative director, I was the producer, and I wouldn't, I wasn't going to make any creative concessions. So, I think the hard part then was figuring out what that kind of artistic statement was going to be. Over the years, you're not totally slammed uh, with production all the time. So you've got downtime and I'm sitting in a studio and, and you know, I can't tell you how many songs and, and even full albums I've written over the years that are just kind of sitting on hard drives or I guess now in, in, in the cloud, so to speak, that haven't been released or haven't seen the light of day. And I think you can really get caught up in kind of second guessing what this next jump is going to be. So what I decided was I'm I'm going to make a solo piano record. It's something I've always wanted to do. Look, it's one of my favorite genres of music. I listen to it all the time when I'm at home cooking or out walking the dog or whatever. And uh, it just seemed like that is the... It, it just felt like the, the right thing to do as, you know, 31-year-old... Uh, Casey Gibson. And so, you know, I had actually just gotten my family's kind of heirloom grand piano out here in LA. Finally, Uh, my parents like recently moved to um, a smaller apartment and they didn't have the space for this thing. And it was my grandmother's before that. And so, you know, I had this instrument sitting in my studio and I had been kind of mulling over the decision for a long time. What what was my personal statement going to be? And so that's when it all kind of clicked for me. And so, yeah, I've I've um, I've written this this album of solo piano music and uh, it just came out less than a week ago. Wow. And. <laughs> Through through that journey, before we go to to the piece itself, you know you've you were in music for your whole life. You've been playing piano since you were five. You've you've now met so many different facets of the of of the art and the craft. What did you What did you pick up? What What was different going to you know to now? Something that's just released. But but what what did you pick up on that was a different take from what you have known about music and your relationship with it. Um, you know what? I think 
like for the first time I was ready to make a record um, just for myself and and not focus too much on um, you know quote unquote writing writing a hit or um, you know how am I best going to uh, encapsulate what the director is looking for or what the agency is looking for? I really, you know, I wanted to make a record that I would be proud of, that I wanted to listen to. And, um, you know, that, that, uh, you know, that my parents would want to listen to, and that's pretty much it. And, uh, I think that was a liberating thing for me was, was, um, coming to that realization that I didn't have to think too much about what other people wanted to hear. I'm going to make something that I want to listen to and then try to find its audience um, rather than the other way around, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Was that scary? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. The whole goal here was to not solicit any feedback before um, putting this thing out. So really no one had heard this before it went to this distributor um besides maybe like my girlfriend and yeah it was a little scary i mean look i don't know i mean first of all it's a little bit of a tough sell being like i put out a classical piano album i'm not sure that anybody would list classical music in their top five you know favorite genres um so i realize that it's a little bit left field and i am actually a big believer in you know collaboration can really lead to great things and it's something I've always uh, done in in music and being on a desert island and, and not running this by anybody was a little bit scary, but I wanted to challenge myself. And I also, you know, I wanted to stick to my guns and say, look, this is as soon as I, as soon as you open that door for, for feedback, it was going to turn into a different project and that's fine. And maybe the next one will be that, but that was the, that was the original stated goal. And so I, I stuck to my guns and, and, uh, that's this is where I ended up. But but what was that like when you finally took off the you know the cover and and you 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 played it for someone and not just from a musical standpoint but I guess from a from a human standpoint because you've invested so much in it it's such a different type of thing than you've been doing it was just a huge undertaking and it meant so much to you. So after everything is recorded and mastered and in the pipeline for for release you kind of go into the second phase of the of the record process, which is, you know, the promotional side of it. And I, I went in with very low expectations. Um, first of all, this is not music that has any sort of crossover potential. You're not going to hear any of these pieces on, on Kiss FM or anything like that. But, you know, I was like, look, I made something that I'm proud of. And if other people are into it, then that's great. But I can rest easy knowing that this is something that is going to be around forever and you know that I'm that that I'm proud of. So I didn't psych myself out too much about it. I think when you're sharing stuff with clients, you can get a little nervous, uh, you know, hopefully uh you know, hopefully they go for this revision or it's down to, you know, my track and and uh one of our other composers tracks like, "Oh, I really hope they they end up going with my track, but this, I felt, you know, peace of mind just knowing that, like, I liked listening to this. I think it ended up sounding pretty good, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sweat it too much if, if other people don't, but luckily, you know, it seems like other people are feeling it, so. Where can people find uh, piano music? 
Sure, yeah. Piano Music is is uh, streaming on Spotify and Apple Music and Tidal. And uh, if you download music, it's on iTunes and Amazon and Google Play. It's it's pretty much available everywhere online um, now. Well, check it out, everybody. I uh, I highly recommend it. I love the story, Casey. It's been so fun to follow your journey. And uh, and if you're interested, the band does still perform. They just got back from Central Asia. The the band's name is Filigar. And if you look probably somewhere through the website, you'll see a picture of me in college going nuts. I, fun fact, used to be given the tambourine from uh, one... <laughs> one of the band members to just go nuts with. So I would sometimes get to jump on the stage and play the tambourine, which was, to say the least, a highlight for me. Uh, I'm, in, in I'm my, pretty in, sure, Mike, I'm pretty sure that your face is like the biggest one in the middle of um, the album fold for, for one of the records. I, I, I seem to remember your your grin, like like right along the spine of the... Uh, the record so that's that that might be a fun thing for listeners to to go out (laughs) yeah if you can go find that and send us a picture uh (laughs) just email it to info at when to jump.com if you find the picture of me on a filiger album casey's gonna do something cool for you and i'm gonna send you a book (laughs) so there you have it i love that any parting words to, to folks, especially those who are taking jumps within jumps, if you will, and, and m- making moves inside of an industry that, that you, you know, kind of, as you look back on, feel like you wish you knew or wish someone told you or would want to tell others? Look, I know that I've kind of made this seem like it, it, it's been a completely um, insular process and, and creatively it was. It was just a man and his thoughts in a, in a soundproof studio. <laughs> But look, at the end of the day, people do want to help you and you should never be afraid to ask for ask for that support because you'll be surprised, you know, how many of your friends and colleagues and also, you know, freelancers and kind of support staff it takes to to really have a successful launch of of a project like this. At the end of the day, people do want to help you and it's scary putting yourself out there. And I, you know, I know, uh, Mike, you you're familiar with this feeling, but it, it's pretty amazing when people start coming out of the woodwork and, you know, telling you how much they appreciate your, your work. And, you know, I would just advise people to, to not be shy about it. I mean, you know, it can be, it, it can definitely be uh, a little daunting to put yourself out there, but people want to hear, people want to hear about what people are doing. I love it. And I agree with it. Uh, Casey Gibson, yeah, artist, creative extraordinaire, uh, unbelievable classical pianist. I, I love what you're doing. I appreciate you joining the When to Jump podcast, and everyone should go listen to your music, not just as a biased friend, but as as an admirer from afar for the last, uh, you know, like I said, decade plus. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, and, and thank you for taking a few minutes uh, on a busy weekday to, to tell your story. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. This has been fun. Thanks so much for listening to the conversation with Casey Gibson. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you check out his music. He is a, truly a class act in every sense and a wonderful person to uh, to have spent time with over the last, geez, nearly 10 years. So Casey uh, is out there making music. You should check it out. We'll put his links in the show notes. And uh, as you know, you can find us at whentojump.com. We'd love to hear from you. We continue to hear from jumpers more and more through our website, which is off of uh, whentojump.com. And of course, through direct messages on Instagram, that's at when to jump, and all of our social media, which is at when to jump as well. 
My name is Mike Lewis. Thank you for joining me on the When to Jump podcast, and I will catch you next week. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because. Hey, honey, you know your dad's world famous chili. Yeah, the one that takes 24 hours to make. So I was trying to help out and bring the pot to the table, but it was like super hot. And then I um dropped it. And now the floor looks all, you know, stained with chili. Look, the point is, you guys cool with pizza for dinner? <laughs> honey? Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.